anchor their holds, no matter what life brings our way. God is good. Philippians chapter 3, verse 17. We're going through a series of messages in the book of Philippians. And uh, today the title of the message is Citizens of Heaven. We are citizens of heaven. Philippians chapter 3, let's look at verse 17. Whenever you have a Bible, uh, on paper book, and your iPad, and your iPhone, let's look at God's Word. Okay? Look what it says in Philippians 3.17. Brethren, be uh, however uh, us of an example, for many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Jesus Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven. From hence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things into himself. Shall we pray, Heavenly Father? Thank you, Lord, for this great book, an encouraging book, Lord. We've been going through this book at the evening service. Lord, I pray tonight, may we understand as Christians, Lord, we don't belong to this world, we belong to you. We are citizens of heaven. We have a Heavenly Father who loves us unconditionally, as I was preaching this morning. I pray, Father, if there's someone here that don't know you as Lord and Savior, may tonight, Lord, right there where they are, or even those or anyone that is online tonight watching us, may they put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So we, our theme for the year is more of Jesus, less of me. And tonight we come into this message, You're almost done with the book of Philippians, but the citizens of heaven. So we are... We are students, uh, and we are studying the book of Philippians, like I said, I'm sorry. And what, we, uh, what I mean with this, what we, the, 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 the theme is press on. Uh, we're pressing on until Jesus comes or we can get to heaven. You know, we have a job to do, and our job is to tell the world that Jesus saves. Yeah. Uh, that's our job that we have, and we are, commended, we are commissioned to do that. So the key word in, this, in the passage before us is the word citizenship, finding verse 20. So citizenship comes from the Greek word, from a Greek words, of course. So the word, um, so I'm sorry, so it comes more like the word politics here. So originate from that. So, but no matter what uh, our political alliance may be here on earth, Paul writes that, we, uh, that if you are a Christian, you, uh, you are a true citizen of heaven. So now, we have to mind heavenly things, not earthly things. You know, we, we live on earth, but we never, should never forget who we are. Amen. Who am I? I'm a Christian. Who's, who was, uh, who's God? My heavenly Father. I, I'm a citizen of heaven. Not a, I used to be a citizen of earth, of earth, but no longer. I'm a citizen of heaven. So, now, um, uh, if we read Philippians chapter 2, uh, we will learn that we were one time uh, citizens of this earth. And let me read this to you. Philippians, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 2, that's what I, might, I, tried, I meant to say. Uh, it says, that at that time we were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye 
who sometimes were far off, are made night by the blood of Christ. Now therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. So we used to be uh, uh, citizens of this world. We received Jesus as Savior. Now we are become citizens of heaven. So through the blood of Jesus, we have been bought. Uh, in a, uh, we were bought with a great price. We became citizens of heaven. So we have a new home. As a result, we no longer feel comfortable here on earth. And let me tell you, the more, the more we live for the Lord, the more we, un- we, we see the want and the urge. It's like, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through, you know, which is true. So we joined the ranks of the pioneers of faith, describing Hebrews 11. The early American, American spiritual emphasized this with the song, I am, I am just a poor, wayfaring stranger. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. We learned early in our series that, that Philippi was a, a Roman colony located hundreds of miles from Rome. The Philippians would have no problem understanding the concept of being citizens of a city far from where they were located. So being a Roman citizen means that they had great privileges as well as great responsibilities. So if we are citizens of heaven, then what, we, what do we mean with that? We have tremendous responsibility to represent who we are. You follow that? I remember when I walked in the American embassy many years ago, you know, that American embassy represented everything that Americans stood for. You walk in there, everything was, I saw the picture of the, the American president, the vice president. I saw the American flag. Everybody in that place spoke English. You know, so you knew you were walking in a little place that represent a country. The same thing. We are citizens of heaven. We mind heavenly things. That's what, you know, people come to God's house. It should be a reflection, you know, of godliness and righteousness and, and the preaching of God's word. Even Jesus said, my father's house is a house of prayer. Amen. It should be that way. So, so how we, we going, let's look at this tonight from uh, four characteristics of us being citizens of heaven. Let me give you some. Number one, your name is written in heaven's book. At the first characteristic is this, your name is written in heaven's book. Now that's something to get excited about. Not everyone's name is written in heaven. Now listen to this. I am an American citizen, okay? My name is written in, in a book somewhere. You know, it is, you know, but I was not born here. But I remember, <laughs> I remember when I came to America as an immigrant, you know, many years ago. But I remember when I decided I wanted to become an American citizen. It's so what he had to do. Well, I had to go to the uh, immigration down in Providence. Uh, they gave me a whole application thing, and I have to memorize 100 questions, literally memorize them, and I have to, you know, know all those questions. So I was very educated in those days about America. You know, so, I, so you walk in there, and they ask you questions straight out of those questions, and you have to come out and say it. So... I passed with the hundred. <laughs> I passed that thing. You know, it motivated me because when I was an old grandma just came out of the out of the, the, the test uh, uh, room and and she said, "I did it! I did it!" I said, "Oh, if you did it, so can I? I'm going in." I was excited about it, so I went in. I got my citizenship. You know, I did. So, uh, uh, but I became an American citizen. So I became a citizen of the United States of America. I was happy for my accomplishments, and I tell you what, I'm still am. 
Now the amazing thing is this. We don't have to work for our citizenship in heaven. It is a free gift from God. Right. You see, when I became an American citizen, I had to work. I had to memorize. I had to memorize to go there and put effort into it. You know what? For us to become citizens of heaven, let me tell you this. We just have to believe what Jesus Christ has done for us. Amen. You know, we, we have to believe and ask forgiveness of our sin and call upon Him to be our Lord and say, He did it all for us. It's all paid for. You see, uh, somebody else paid that with a costly price. So, actually, we see, um, uh, uh, actually, Luke chapter 10, verse 17 says these words, And the seven, and the seven they return again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto, uh, unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as a lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to treat uh, on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall be shall any means hurt you notwithstanding in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven so the word written is a special is a special tense in the greek which can be translated it, it is once uh, for all written and stands written forever or as I like to, to put it, there's no erases in heaven. You follow this way? Once you, when your name is written there, there's no erases in heaven. And God says, oh, you sent too much against me. Forget it. I'm erasing your name. No, uh, we are God's children and forever we are God's children. Isn't that a blessing? Isn't that a blessing? Well, that's what is no erasing in heaven. Actually, Revelation chapter 3, verse 5 says, Jesus made, made the following promise to the church of Sardis right there. It says, he had, he, uh, Revelation 3, 5, he said, He that overcometh the same shall be clothed with white uh, raiment, and I will not plot out his name out of the book of life, and I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. As a citizen of heaven, you stand secure. God will, give, will never erase your name in a, in a fit of anger or, or something uh, you have done. As a believing Christ, all God's anger against you, against your sin, has already been poured out by, by Jesus Christ at the cross. He paid for We've been forgiven. May we live with that victory. I've been forgiven. I know I am a sinner, but I am a forgiver. God, forgive me. They say, Pastor, what about if I sin today? Okay. Then ask God to forgive you. Right. But Pastor, what if I sin tomorrow? Ask God to forgive you. You see, we don't lose our salvation. We just break our fellowship with the Lord when we sin against Him. Salvation is one-time thing. It's secure for all eternity. Now, fellowship with the Lord is different. But we can restore it by asking, Lord, forgive me. And we get restored back. I talked about this morning about the prodigal, prodigal son. What happened to him? When he walked away from everything, when he went have his fun and did what he wanted, is his father stopped being his father? No. The Bible says he stood at the door. He was looking down for what? For that son to return home. Amen. You know, when he returned home, he, said, he didn't say to him, you're not my son anymore. No. He hugged him. He kissed him. He made a big feast for him. You know why? Because his son had returned home. Right. How many Christians out there that left the house of God, left the word of God, left all those things and went in the ways of the world. And some way down the road, they come to the end of themselves and they go, I need to come home. You know, it's not that, that, that God stopped being their father. You know, they walk away from the father's love. That's what happened. But they're returning home. You know, so what I'm trying to say here, so uh, 
Look at Paul's encouraging words here in, in uh, uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 3. He says, I entreat thee also to fellow, uh, uh, yoke fellow, I'm sorry, help those, the, the, those women which labor with me in the gospel, with Clement and, and also and with others, my fellow, uh, fellow laborers whose names are, are in the book of life. Even Old Testament believers were familiar with this book. In Exodus chapter 32, Moses prayed for God, for Israel. Look what it says in Exodus 32, 32. It says, uh, Yet now, if thou wilt forgive their sin, and if not, plot uh, me, I pray thee, out of thy book, which thou hast written. We find it mentioned in Daniel chapter 12. Daniel 12 verse 1 says, And, 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 and at that time shall Michael stand up, and the great, and the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble, such as never has sin, since there uh, was a nation even to that same time. And, I'm sorry, and at that time thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. You see, in the New Testament, uh, teaches us more about this book. Revelation 21, 27 says, tell us this words about heaven. Look what it says in Revelation 21, 27. And this shall in no wise enter in anything that defile neither whatsoever work an abomination or make it a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. And here we learn that it is the Lamb's book of life. It belongs to Jesus Christ. Jesus is the way to heaven. There is no, no way into, the, into the, this book without going through Jesus Christ. But we even say this way. Jesus is the bridge that connects man to heaven. It is the bridge. He is our say. He is the only way there. You say, but Pastor, that's too narrow. And, and you got to be another way. No, it's no other way. It is many religions in this world. Made by the imagination of mankind. But there's only one true way to heaven. is through Jesus Christ. He is the only way there. You know, you know what? Let me put it this way. Every head of every denomination known to mankind, all the ones that started that, those denominations, they all went to the grave and still there. You know what? Jesus came out of that grave and is alive forevermore. Amen. So, all right, I put my faith in the one who came out of the grave. That's right. You want to put your faith in a dead man or in a living one? Amen. That's right. Uh, I put my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. See, here we learn that it is the, bank of, uh, the, I mean, the, the Lamb Book of Life. So, we see right here. Let me give you an illustration right here. There was a little boy named Mark who heard attentively those verses being read, actually, let me, let me, uh, the verses, I, I pass those verses, is Revelation chapter 20, verse 11 to 15, it says, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, and whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, and small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were uh, judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and the dead and death and hell deliver up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. Let me give you the illustration. There was a little boy named Mark. You heard these verses being written. Uh, uh, somebody was reading to him. And he, uh, how... Uh, uh, 
And he asks the question when you finish, listen, when, when the, the pastor finished reading those verses, and he said, how do I get my name in that book? The recipient of that question, the pastor happened to be uh, uh, there and, and he listened to what he said. And turning towards the little boy, Mark, he said, you need to admit that you are a sinner, that you have done wrong to your parents, to your teachers, to the people around you and your friends. And that is called sin, Mark. When you realize that, that all sin, if you ask Jesus to forgive you, you will forgive you. And then you invite him to be, come to your heart and be your Lord and Savior. And little Mark said uh, in response, I want to do this. <laughs> That's salvation, folks. So what we see the number one here in our point number one is your name is written in heaven's book. Number two, your behavior is governed by heaven's laws. We see this in verse 72. It says, brethren, be aware of uh, uh, us for an example. So that's the first characteristic of a citizenship of heaven. Your name is written in heaven. Second character, characteristic, I'm sorry, your behavior is governed by heaven's laws right here. Uh, I paraphrase it uh, uh, in, in understanding with verse 17. It goes like this. Brother, take note of those who live according to the pattern, uh, to the pattern we give you. That's pretty much what Paul is saying here. You have heard of the old saying, when uh, in Rome, do, uh, do as the Romans. Well, uh, let, me, let me give you a different one. When on earth, do, as, uh, uh, do not do as the earth, the earth things do. So, I'll put it this way. Okay. I'm a citizen of heaven. I live on earth, but I don't live like earthly people. I live like heavenly people. Is what I mean. Like what they do, I don't. But the practice, with the practice that they do, I don't practice because I have someone to answer to is my heavenly father. I'm here on a mission, and my, my mission is over. I'm going back home to heaven. You see, I don't say to people, Christian people, or people say, oh, so-and-so died. Oh, no, 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 no. Christian people, you know what I say? They graduated to heaven. Yeah. Our mission is over. When our mission is over, God takes us home to whom to be with him. So we say, you know what? Uh, when we are we on earth, when on earth, do not do as the earthlings do. Heaven runs by a different set of rules than planet Earth. Here are, we are, uh, here are a few of them, okay, of heaven's rules. Love God, love your neighbor, love yourself. You see, that's heaven's rules. You know, on earth is like this, me, myself, and I. I deserve. It's all about me. In God's, in God's uh, book, it teaches his children to do this. Love God. With heart, mind, and soul, with everything you got, love your neighbor as yourself. Interesting. You know, even the Bible says, pray for your enemies. Pray for those who do wrong to you. You say, that's a hard thing to do. Right. Of course it is. But I tell you what, if we practice that, it's a heavenly way to live. You know what? Jesus prayed for the enemies. You know, you know, you know I'm telling you, if we do those things, you know what? Life is a joy living. Because we have to think, I'm a citizen of heaven, not of earth. I don't live like earthly people. I live like heavenly people. Not only that, do unto others as you have them do unto you. All right, the way you, the way you want people to treat you, treat others the same way. You follow that? Because that's the opposite. See, the earth doesn't teach us this way, but do unto others as they want, do have them do unto you. You know, you know, okay, do you want to get, I mean, you want people to treat you bad and be rude to you? No. Don't be rude to other people. It's, it's a very simple to understand. So, um, 
The first shall be the last, and the last shall be first. That's the Bible, what the Bible teaches us. The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. The greatest among you shall, uh, must be a servant of all. Here's another thing we have. Here's one thing we have in our churches today. People shop for churches. What is this church can do for me? Uh, what do you have? And in our churches do that. They promote, oh, we have this, we have this, we have this, we have this, we have this. You know, what else do you want that we can provide you? Listen, a church is not a shopping center. Right. It never been a shopping center. What can I get there? Oh, I don't like this store. I'm going to this store. I'm going to this store. You, you don't have what I want. Let, let, let me go online. You know, that's not a church. Listen, a church is a place. Listen to me. A church is a place on which you go there. God put you there to serve Him. Amen. That's what a church, a local church is. We, God plants us in a local church so we can serve the Lord. Listen, no way in the Bible you find the thing, you know, on which we stand and people serve us. In the Bible, we are called the servants of the Lord. Yep. That's who we are. So a servant serves, mm-hmm. right? A servant doesn't get served. A servant serves. So that's what we do. So um, a couple more things here. Blessed are the poor in spirit. That's another one. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek and so on. We have many things in which the Bible teaches us how we are to live as citizens of heaven here on earth. We are to make a difference where we, the way we live and how we live here on earth. You know, because whenever you go, you might be the only Bible that people see. You know what? You know, in, in, in the way we behave, the way we speak, what we do, we, people need to see that. You know why? Because if, I'm a, if I am an ambassador for Christ, if I, am a, if I am a Christian, let me put it this way. I learned this. Listen, listen, listen well. I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a Republican. I'm a Christian. Amen. I don't go this and that. I'm a Christian. That's who I am. If by the grace of God, so, oh, don't you vote? Yeah, I look at the candidates. You know what I do? The one that represents me best, I vote for him. That's it. But I'm not going to take political parties in here. You know, I'm a Christian. I'm a citizen of heaven. You know, and let me live like that. So there's many things we can do. So, here in verse 17, Paul relates the importance of our behavior to, uh, to uh, our citizenship. Actually, let us look at, at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11. One actually go to First Corinthians eleven and chapter I mean chapter eleven verse one. I want you to see what he says here. It's very unique what he says here. Very good what he says here. And of course most of us know this, these verses, but it's good to go back and look at it. First Corinthians eleven one says, look what it says: Be ye followers of me, even as I also of Christ. Is that clear what he says? Paul said, you know what. Pattern after me. Follow me because I follow him. You know, we can do the same thing. We can say, hey, follow me because I follow him. See, our life as citizens of heaven is, a, is of a great responsibility and a great example because now we say to another one and to another one, hey, follow me because I follow him. And they're going to say to somebody else, hey, follow me because I follow him. You see that? Paul gave us that example so we can do the same thing. You know, so you're like, oh, look at the superman uh, the Apostle Paul was. No, the Apostle Paul was a man of flesh and blood with emotions and feelings and needs like you and I. But he had one thing about Paul. When he got saved, he got saved. And he followed the Lord. But he says, hey, follow me. You know the way I live. Follow me because I follow him. We can say the same thing. You can say the same thing. Hey, follow me because I follow Jesus. You see? 
as citizens of heaven, our behavior is, is to leave a mark on other people's lives. Actually, we, live, we leave our mark uh, uh, all the time. Everywhere we go, we should do that. We always are setting an example form, uh, and forming impressions on other people's lives and who we are as Christians. The only question is whether we are leaving a mark for bad or for good. Paul knew that his life was going to leave a mark one way or the other. And you know what? It left because it, it, we are today talking about the Apostle Paul. You know, how many people we mention even our message about people that left great marks and impressions through the, through the ages. A good Christian man that loved the Lord. Their names are not in the Bible, but we know the work that they did for the Lord. And you say, well, but those, those, uh, those people, maybe who are pastors or missionaries, you know what? how many people in the local church leave great marks inside the church? And years later, people still talking about it. It's so so and so. Remember so and so. Remember so. Oh, these are. And then you talk. Of, you remember them with joy with the things that God did through them. Not just people that so. No, no. We sometimes you have a tendency. You're just a missionary or a pastor. No, no, no. Not necessarily. I know many people who never became a pastor, never became a missionary, and they were just regular people, and they were great examples of love and and faithfulness of the Lord. They were. So how is your behavior? Lately, are you abiding by heaven's laws? <laughs> Would you encourage others to follow the example of your life as Paul says, follow me as I follow him? So that's the second characteristic of a citizen, a, a citizen of heaven. Your behavior is governed by heaven's law. You know, the world goes this way, but God tells me to go this way. I said, but you all alone. That's okay. I'm following the Lord. I, I'm okay. Number three, your mind is focused on heaven's values. Look what it says in verse 18 and verse 19 of our text. For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping. See, Paul thinking about it and he's crying that they are the enemies of the cross of Jesus, on the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame. Who mind, who mind earthly things. You see that? Paul is weeping as he rides, verse 18 and 19. His tears stain the pages as he rides. Why? Because there are many who profess Christ and yet live as the enemies of the cross. The cross is the central point of Christianity. It is an absolute essential. Without the cross, you have no Christianity, no discipleship, no salvation, indeed, no savior at all. But there are many people who sit in churches who criticize the very Bible that we preach from, who deny some, some doctrines of the faith, and they sit in churches and they say, oh, I love Jesus, and they deny the very virgin birth of Jesus. They deny the blood atonement of Jesus. They, they deny even the second coming. They deny all kinds of things. And you look at him and you say, what are you doing? That's right. What are you doing? It is a sad thing to say. And they go, I mean, right now it's even worse, folks. I'll tell you what, I, I'm not naive. I don't interact with those people. They even go on social media and they have debates on social media about, about the Bible and the cause of Christ, giving Christianity a black eye. That's right. They say, well, why don't you read your Bible and take it for what it is? Amen. And they come with these things and he's like, what are you doing? Paul says, I'm weeping over these people. You see... We need to pray for those people. Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 6 these things. Galatians 6, 14. 
God, but God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. Paul early says, I die to the world. I'm done with the world. I'm living for God. What a conviction. Actually, Warren Worsby writes this thing about the cross. He said, the cross of Jesus Christ is the theme of the Bible, the heart of the gospel, and the chief source of praise in heaven. Why would someone be opposed to the cross? Because it, because it cuts across the grain of all that we value here on earth. The cross lays the waste of all our achievements, merits, and pride. The cross reveals to us the depth of our depravity. The cross proclaims this is how far God had to go in order to save me. The cross stands for sacrifice, suffering, and rejection. Jesus said these things concerning the cross. The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. So the servant is not above the master and so we too as Christians must bear the cross. We too will experience suffering and rejection. Why? Because of what we believe. We believe in Jesus. We believe the cross. We believe those things. You know what? And we get rejected many times. Some of us even suffer mockery by the mouth of other people. You know, some people even lose their lives in some parts of the world because they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. They believe in salvation. They believe the Bible. So letter A, the end is destruction. Look at verse 19. Whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame. Whose mind is, um, so you mind earthly things. So, so we see right here, their life literally, the Bible says, is total waste. Can you imagine the mockers of the cross? Those who literally continually mock God. Use God's name in vain every day. Use profanity and plug God in there. His name in there, the holy name in there. They keep going and going. You know what God says? Their life is a waste. And you say, well, that's what the Bible says right here. The li their life is a waste. See, when you live your life in opposition to the cross of Christ, your life is lost. It is a waste like water poured out in sand. High school, the high, uh, high school, I'm sorry, in high school, the kids used to uh, use the phrase uh, back then. I don't know if they still use it now. Uh, they were, uh, when they go out on the weekends, they used to say, they would go to say, let's get wasted. How sad and how true. It is a total waste for people who totally reject Christ. You know, they, kids used to say that. I don't know if they still do it. Oh, let's get wasted. That, you know what that means. You know, about people who totally reject God continually. You say, I'm okay. I'm okay. Oh, you know, you have your religion. I have mine. You know, the Bible says literally, their life is a waste. They're, 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 they're living for nothing. And we end up finding themselves not in heaven, for sure. You see, how sad and how true. But it doesn't have to be like that. It doesn't have to be like that. They can receive Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. How foolish to waste even uh, their lives away. How foolish to say, you know, I don't need God. I I'm okay. Let it be their God is their belly. Verse 19. It says, in it, uh, and uh, whose God is their belly right here in verse 19. Paul is saying here that these people are more interested in the things that they will, they will, fill, up, that will fill up their belly than the God who provides all the things for them. 
what a, what a lousy God to have, right? Anybody wants to worship their stomach today. But Paul is not just talking about food here. Paul is playing, is playing in on words here. He's talking about, uh, about all the harmful desires of our sinful nature. The enemies of the cross follow their own desires, their own appetites, rather than acknowledging God and serve God. Folks, our world is full of, old, uh, full of those kind of people. They have no interest in God and, and what He stands for and what He provides, what He can do for them. Their only interest is their own selfish desires. Right. And Paul uses that example here, that, that play on words here, whose God is their belly. They live for themselves. They, they are their own gods. I remember one time, one guy that I tried to witness, he worked with me and I witnessed them. His name was Don. I don't know if he still lives. I don't know. But I said, I began to witness to him. And I was talking with him and told him about the Lord Jesus. And he looks at him and he said, I don't need you, Jesus. I said, well, I think you do. I am my own God. And I said, well, that's very, very arrogant in your part. He said, no, no, no. Listen to me well. I am my own God, he goes. Their God is their belly. They don't see what God can do for them. They don't see what God can do in their lives, how they can be forgiven. They don't see how God can help them. And some of them even say, when I die, I'm going to tell God what he needs to hear. You know, you know the other way around, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I tell you what, people think they're going to say. You know, if you look at the Bible, this is kind of silly, because if you look in the Bible, every time some, the Lord showed up and somebody seen him, you know what happened to them? Right flat on the ground. They're all afraid. You know, I'm going to tell God, yeah, you're going to tell, okay. <laughs> Let us see. He said, their glory is their shame. It says, look what it says, and whose glory is their, sh- their shame and whose mind, uh, uh, whose mind earthly things. So Paul says, their glory is their shame. In other words, they boast about their sin. They laughed about the things that, that, sh- that they should be ashamed of. There is no fear of God in their lives. Paul sums up at the end of verse 19 by says, their mind, is on earth, their mind is on earthly things. In other words, they're focusing on the things of this world. And I'll tell you, folks, let me put it this way. Our world today is full of people who have no shame anymore. It's right. so all in the streets for the open thing. You know, they don't care anymore. And it's getting worse and worse and worse. Right. And, you know, you know, and if you say something, you are evil. You are wrong. You're close-minded. And you are bigot. And it keeps going and like that. I tell you what, what a shame to see what we see in our world today. And our children are growing up witnessing all those stuff, those things. Right. You, know, you know, when we don't care about God, when God is not important, we just, everybody's doing what is right in their own eyes. Mm-hmm. And I dare you and me to say something. So we live and work in our workplaces. We have to be careful what we say because you, they, they do what they do. They, they provoke you. And if you say something, you're the bad person. What a shame world we live today. And it's getting worse and worse and worse. Yep, that's right. And if you look at our, our society 10 years ago and look at that today, you're going to say, why, is that the same place? Is that the same people? What happened? You know what? It's no fear of God. It's no shame of God. People just don't care anymore. That's right. They do what they used to do in closed doors. They're doing open doors today. Look what it says. The Bible says, actually, go to Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. See, now, where's your mind focus? On heavenly values or on earthly values? Our citizenship is in heaven. 
Look what the Bible says about this subject. Look at Colossians 3.2. Set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. For you are dead, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. See what it says right here. Set your affections. Put your mind, your heart on things from above. Do you carry the cross daily? Matthew Henry put it this way. The Roman soldier came near the cross, but only to mock, throw dice, and play games. Now for the Christian, uh, a cross, uh, the cross should be always a reminder of the great sacrifice that Jesus has done in order to provide us salvation. You know, people use crosses in all kinds of things. You know, decoration. is a decoration piece. You know, the cross is a place of shame. We understand that. But for us Christians, it's a reminder of what Jesus did for me and you. That's right. The sacrifice that he paid, what he did for me and you. You know, our world make mockery of the cross. You look at pictures, you look at magazines, you look at things, even on TV, you see the cross being used in all kinds of things. That's a shameless society on which we live in. A shameless society. The cross should be what motivates us to express gratitude for what God has done for us. Life is too short to play games. The, citizen, the, citizenship, the citizens of heaven I'm sorry, should have their mind focused on heavenly values. His eyes fix upon the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Number four, we're almost done. Your eyes are watching, your eyes are watching for, heaven, for a heavenly Savior. Look what it says in verse 20, verse 21 of Philippians 3. For our conversation, or our way of life is in heaven. For him also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things into himself. And I tell you what, Christianity, we live in victory, not in defeat. We are victorious. You know, we have been saved from the cesspools of sin. We have victory. We have the Holy Spirit of God and He resides in us. We are heading to heaven. Amen. We have one more characteristic. is this one right here. Our, uh, your eyes are watching for a heavenly Savior. Get this. Those who are true citizens of heaven are watching for Christ's return. Oh, I hope that there you are, because one of these days, he's going to show up in the scene. And people say, you know what? The other day, I have a person at work that asked me that. You think Jesus is really coming? He said, no, I put it a little back. It goes like this. You think your Jesus is coming? I'm glad the way he said it, because he recognized it was my Jesus, not his Jesus. He said, do you think your Jesus is really coming? I said, absolutely. I'm looking for his coming even today. He said, he goes to me, you guys are so close-minded. I said, no, 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 my mind is very open. You're the one ever close-minded. Because he's coming again. He came the first time, and he's coming again. He's coming again. You see, the world by large doesn't believe that Jesus is coming again. But one day, Jesus is coming again and will shut the mouth of the naysayers. The scripture so tells that that, uh, uh, that we are to be ready. Look what it says in, uh, in, in Titus chapter 2.13. Two, uh, two it says, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. 
1 Corinthians 15, 52 says, In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trump shall sound, and, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. So, whatever. They can say what they want to say. They can deny what they want to deny. But we as Christians, we are citizens of, of heaven, and we know one day our king will come. He will come. Let him talk. Let him mock. Let him make fun. Because we know what we believe is true. And it will come to pass. We are citizens of heaven. We believe that. Letter A, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Verse 20, 20 says, For our, our way of life, our conversation is in heaven. For him also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what? We meet together here. On Wednesdays, on Sundays, on Saturdays. You know what? We meet together until when? Until Jesus comes. And we worship Him and praise His name until He comes. Because we believe one day He will show up in the scene. Let it be. We will be transformed. Verse 21. It says, And you shall change your vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto His glorious body. Wow, what a change. Can you imagine? That sinful nature that we carry with us, gone. You know, that bad thoughts that come to mind, gone. We transform forever. Goodness, our body will be glorified like Jesus Christ. Look what it says in 1 John 3, 3, it says, And every man that had this hope in him purify himself even as he is pure. Let me reread this verse. Look, it says, 1 John 3, 3, And every man that had this hope. What is that hope? He's coming again. He's going to transform our bodies. So, you know, some people don't have that hope. They don't know. It's like, oh, uh, if you die today, are you 100% sure you're going to heaven? Oh, I hope so. Oh, maybe so. Ah, nobody knows. You know what? We know so. Because the Bible is clear what it says. We know so. We don't live on a hope so. We live on I know so. Are you sure we're going to heaven? Absolutely. How do you know that? The Bible tells me so. It's right in the word of God. It said, oh, how you you so? Read the Bible. It's right there. You know, it's no, it's no secret. It's right there. It tells you where you can find uh, salvation and how you can be transformed. So what is that hope? You know what? Jesus is going to come. Our bodies will be changed. And you know what? When he comes, we will be with him for all eternity. There's no more separation. Look at what happened. I close with this. Okay. Jesus is coming. The churches get raptured out of the earth. We're going to heaven. The Bema Seed of Christ. After the Bema Seed of Christ, the marriage supper of the Lamb. After the marriage supper of the Lamb, we return to earth. Great battle. We get, get the victory. New heaven and a new earth. We with the Lord for all eternity. Amen. Tell me that's not great to be a Christian. Tell me, isn't that great to be a Christian? It's the greatest joy of the world is being a Christian. If so, if only people could understand the gift of God. God loves us. We are citizens of heaven. And you, if you're not saved here today, you online, are you here? If you're not saved here today, you can become a citizen of heaven. You know what? I'm not going to give you a question here. It is an easy way to do it. When I became a citizen of the United States, I was drilled. But nah, nah, be a citizen of heaven. You know what you need to do? Ask the Lord to forgive. Recognize you a sinner. You have to recognize you a sinner. Ask Jesus to forgive you. Invite Him to be your Lord and Savior. So that's it. It's that simple. Genuine heart. You have to do that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father.
Thank you, Lord, for salvation. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your love. Help us, Lord. We all struggle with the sinful nature that we carry. Help us, Lord, to be or to live our life as citizens of heaven. So people can see we are different, not for the sake of being different. We're different because we love you, Lord. And we wanted to please you for all the gratitude that we carry in our hearts for what you have done for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you could stand, please. I'm going to sing a song of invitation tonight. And it's page... I got it right here. 550. I don't have my glasses, so I can't see. <laughs> All right, 516. Okay, 516. There it is. Is you all on the altar? You have longed for sweet peace and for faith to increase and have earnestly fervently prayed but you cannot have rest and be perfectly blessed until all on the altar is laid is you all on the altar of sacrifice laid your heart does the spirit control you can only be blessed and have peace and sweet rest as you heal them your body and soul tell you folks here's a question is like this if you had died today I 100% sure you go into heaven. That's a simple question you have to ask yourself. So I'm not sure. Well, the Bible can make can make can see you how you can be sure. The Bible is clear. You can have salvation in the present. You can God can save your soul today, and you have that you have that so to speak. You you have the passport to heaven. You carry that with you. I tell you what, there's no secret. Some people think it's a secret of how you get saved. No, no, salvation is full and free. God says so. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What about us as Christians? Are we living like citizens of heaven here on earth? Or we are living like everybody else? You see the difference? We can live like everybody else, or we can make a difference in the world that we live in. Listen, folks, we were born for such a time as this. People say, wow, he is. No, no. I was not born in Moses' time. I was not born in David's time. I was not born in Nehemiah's time. I was born this age. This is the age that I I am to make a difference in this world for the Lord. Others have done in the past. We look at them and say, wow, that's great men of God. You know what? We can pass out of the scene and somebody can say, that was a great man of God. That was a great woman of God. That's a great child of God. You know what? They can say the same thing. It's the way we live our lives. What we do for the Lord. Maybe we don't come to church and say, what you have for me? Give me the recipe. What you have? What kind of programs you have? Maybe the Lord plug on us in the church and we say, Lord, I'm here to serve you. What a difference we can make when we think that way. Lord, I'm here, whatever you want. You know, that was one day that I walked to the altar. Way many years ago, at First Baptist Church, many years ago. You know, in those days, 
I walk to the altar. I get on my knees. I say, Lord, I don't know what you want to do with me, but you know what? I'm here. Whatever you want to do with me, just do it. I'm willing to go. Whatever you send me, I'm willing to go. I think, you know what? When we have that servant's heart to say, Lord, I'm willing, that's a good thing to do. Because then when we come to, 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 to churches and say, what you have for me? Tell me that. What you have? What kind of programs you have? We are making a, a grave mistake. Because we're not looking to serve. We're looking how we can be served. And that's not God's economy. God's economy is how can I serve? May we think that way. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for Sunday, for the blessing of being in God's house with God's people. Lord, Sunday seems to go by so fast every time we meet together. It's like, boof, just goes away. And Lord, when we're in the workplace, it seems like it lingers all day for a long time. We know it's the same 24 hours. We know what it is, Lord. It's the joy of being together. It's the joy of singing and praising your name together. Lord, go with us. May we serve you in the workplace. May we serve you in our homes. May we serve you as we drive our cars. May we serve you wherever we go. May we have that uh, heart and mind of praise. May we serve you by serving others as well. Go with us, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed.